Good evening to the masses who have attended. You mustn't snigger. People on the recording will never know. Quality, not Absolutely quality <laughs> human beings. And actually, it's um, despite the cold weather outside, it's perfect timing because tonight is the yacht site of my father, Moshe Ben Barad, who passed away seven years ago um, to this, on this date, 23rd of Adar. And so I booked the show ages ago and it worked out perfectly for the yacht site. So I want to dedicate the learning in his memory. And I guess the topic that I started with one topic, shelved it, and then came on to another topic which really links in with my dad, who despite contracting meningitis and then ME in the early 80s and then pretty much being poorly throughout um, most of his life, most of my life, Shabbos was always Shabbos. And even when he was in bed most of the time, and he would wear, he was a sister, and he would wear a suit, a shirt and tie in bed even when he was surrounded by his files of doing his, his work, because it was proper, and we had to... And it Shabbos was Shabbos, regardless of, of anything that was going on with his health and however he felt. And it's sometimes funny noticing those influences on your life from your parents. Sometimes catch myself doing something, I think, I am my dad. I'm, I can see my, my dad doing what I'm now doing. I think, oh gosh, where, where, where's life taking me down this path? But what's fascinating is that when my, when my son who passed away was in the hospital, the first Shabbos, I said, it's Shabbos. How are you going to make Shabbos in a hospital? So I went to the rack where the nurses have their white aprons, the plastic aprons, and I spread it out on the table next to his bedside. And I said, this is what Sabbath would have done. It would have, Shabbos has to have a white tablecloth on the table, and we got a chalos from the Shabbos room and the Kiddush cup from the Shabbos room, and we made it. Oh, and that's what we did each of the weeks that he was in hospital. And that's why yeah, the influences are quite, are quite amazing that you spot these things. And I hope on some level, when we, when, you know, tonight will be just re-familiarizing ourselves with the familiar or de deepening an aspects of what's familiar to us and Shabbos is, is, is the most familiar thing. Many years ago now, there was a, a demonstration in, Brooke, in in Baltimore in America. They wanted to open up a JCC, a Jewish community center, which are all over, all, those are all over the world in America. And they wanted to open on Shabbos. And those who weren't Orthodox had the idea that you would you know you would go to the gym, you'd go swimming, then you'd have a Torah class and have your breakfast and you would do something Jewish on, on Saturday, whatever the hell they spoke about it. And the Orthodox community were up in arms because they wanted to keep it um, respectful to tradition and the status quo of not being opened. They brought Rav, Rabbi Friend, international rabbi, a big Rosh Hashiva, big time Chacham, and he says something very beautiful and it sort of stuck with me since I, the video, you can watch the actual clips on YouTube. He speaks very passionately. It was very strong winds and he was rushing somewhere, but he stopped off to speak at this, um, this demonstration. And he quoted two apparently contradictory statements in the Gemara about Shabbos. One Gemara says, whoever keeps Shabbos kehilchus, keep two Shabbosas, two, two in a row kehilchus, according to all the laws, then the Mashiach will come, we'll have redemption, and everything's going to work its way around to, to perfection. And another Gemara doesn't use the word kehilchasa according to the laws. It uses the word ketikna, how it's meant to be. And there's, the, there's is it one Shabbos, two Shabbos. The Gemaras have different texts, which is fascinating in itself. Possibly the difference in the text can be explained. Well, what is Shabbos? Shabbos, according to the Torah at least, is six days that shall work. And on the seventh day, you rest. Well, if you've not kept Shabbos before, then you haven't had six days of work. You've had hundreds of days of work. So the two Shabbos says, you put a stop to your work, Shabbos A. Then you've got this six days, so Shabbos B. 
And that Shabbos B is the perfect Shabbos because it follows the six days of activity. But Rabbi Franz focused on the difference between the word according to the laws and according to how it's meant to be. And he said you can follow Shabbos according to all the rules, but not quite capture the essence of Shabbos. You don't have Shabbos. And Ketikno, he said to the people there, and I guess this was something that he was dealing with in his community, it's something that was very manif manifesting itself um, to American Jewry, was, he probably, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he focused on men, which makes a change, rather than blaming the women all the time, which is quite, quite revolutionary for, for a speech, but men who in the summer months would take off their Shabbos clothes and put on a polo top, Shabbos after, dressed down, so almost as if Shabbos sort of dissolves. You have, you have Shabbos Friday night, you have shul, and then it just dissolves into a casual day rather than maintaining the semblance of Shabbos from beginning to end. And this is as katikna, you can keep all the laws. You haven't broken any, any chapter and verse in a law book, but the nature of Shabbos has been diluted. And therefore the Gemara says you've got to keep it both according to the laws and also according to how it's meant to be. So we're going to explore... A couple of psukim in this week's Sadra. Psukim that by now are a little bit tedious. Well, it sounds tedious because we've, we've heard them a lot. Build the Mishkan, but hey, don't do it when, when it comes to Shabbos. It's been a bit of a running theme. Actually, it's fascinating when my son, who was Nifta, Naftali, um, when he was a baby, he also had meningitis. And we were in South London in Guy's and St. Thomas's Hospital. We got taken there, we ended up in a private hospital in the middle of the day on Shabbos. And then we got transferred by ambulance, not so Shabbos, to, to, to Guy's Hospital. And we were the only Jews in the whole building. Um, there were some holy tzaddikim whose names I don't remember. Holy people from Stanford Hill who are involved in looking after Jewish people in hospital. I, I, I guess it was for me because I looked up and there was this guy with a big beard standing at the door to the intensive care unit after Shabbos asking me, well, do I need anything? I'm like, at this stage, I was like, I don't know. I've come on Shabbos and it's all a bit chaotic, but it was amazing. But they came to the first Shabbos when we got transferred to the neurology ward where he was and had a nurse. I'm like, okay, how am I going to deal with Shabbos? I mean, the kosher food situation was dealt with. But they only had two kosher meals in the whole hospital, but then they got more for us. And we literally chose our meals, went to the kitchen and put it. Because we were the only Jews in the whole building. It was quite nice on that level. But uh, came to the first Shabbos. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a bit difficult one. Now, if, you, if it's northwest London, the Royal Free, they're used to Jews. So that's easy. So I said to this nurse, she, said, she told me she was religious, which was a big bonus, and she knew her Bible well. So I said, you know the book of Exodus? She said, she nodded, oh, one for a winner here. So when, when the Jews built, built the tabernacle, ever so often in the verses, you get the laws of Sabbath being interjected. So all the things that went into building this tabernacle, you can't do on Shabbat. And in modern terms, it wouldn't be lighting a fire, but it would be like electricity, operating things. And it was really easy. It's like a godsend to be able to, unfortunately, she wasn't there every Shabbat. Um, for the weeks we were there, but it was def definitely helped. So the beginning of this week's study, we have Sheishes Yomim Six days you will do work. On the seventh day, Yelachem Kodesh will be a holy day. Shabbos, Shabbos on Lahashem, a Shabbat of complete rest or a Shabbos of Shabbos to Hashem. Whoever does work, or forbidden work, is going to be, Yomas will be put to death. So what is Shabbos? And what is, the connection between the Shabbos and the building of the Mishkan is fascinating, all the commentators. So I think on a simple level, we can say simple, which is going to be profound in a moment. The Mishkan, the tabernacle is holy space and Shabbos is holy time. And it's that relationship that's being explored in the Pesukim. And in fact, Rav A.J. Heschel in his book Shabbos deals with this in the introduction. It's very, very fascinating. There's some beautiful quotes that I think will just give us a new layer of 
depth to what Shabbos ought to be about. So A.J. Heschel says as follows, technical civilization is man's conquest of space. We've dominated space, we've constructed something, it shows our our achievement. It is a triumph frequently achieved by sacrificing an essential ingredient of existence, namely time. You spend a lot of time to control space. That, That makes sense. In technical civilization, we expend time to gain space. To enhance our power in the world of space is our main objective. Yet to have more does not mean to be more. The power we attain in the world of space terminates abruptly at the borderline of time. To gain control of the world of space is certainly one of our tasks. The danger begins when in gaining power in the realm of space we forfeit all aspirations in the realm of time. There's a realm of time where the goal is not to have, but to be. And that's what Shabbos gives us, opportunity just to be without the desperation of having to do anything or achieve anything. Not to own, but to give. Not to control, but to share. Not to subdue, but to be in accord with whatever's going on. Life goes wrong when the control of space and the acquisition of things of space becomes our sole concern. So perhaps you could say as a novel approach, it's not obviously brought in classical commentators, A.J. Heschel, but this connection that's been running in the last few weeks between the building of the Mishkan and Shabbos isn't simply don't build this, this place for God on Shabbos, even though you think it's, no, it's the ultimate that we can do for God. Shabbos is more important. Why? Because the danger of building, any building, is what, Heschel, what A.J. Heschel has just told us where we sacrifice one for the other. We control, but we're not sharing. We're subduing, but we're not being in accord with just who we are. It takes us into a different mind space. And there's a danger in doing that, even if the building that we're constructing has a holy purpose to it. Shabbos has to become the master of what we do. So holy time is really more important than holy space. Then there's some other stunning, stunning quotes here from, from, from Heschel. The meaning of the Shabbat is to celebrate time rather than space. Six days a week, we live under the tyranny of things of space. On the Shabbos, we try to become attuned to the holiness in time. It's a day on which we are called upon to share in what is eternal in time, to turn from the results of creation to the mystery of creation, from the world of creation to the creation of the world. When you think of what Rabbi Friend was suggesting in those Gemaras, keeping Shabbos properly in terms of the laws or keeping Shabbos in the way it's meant to be, in the nature of Shabbos. So we can go through Shabbos and really not have Shabbos if the Shabbos itself is not in, not in tuned with holy time. Are we really using that time in a holy way or is it just a day off from other things that we might do? But we haven't made the time itself a holy thing. So we speak about Menuchah which we usually render with as rest. But it says Rav Heschel means here much more than withdrawal from work or exertion, more than freedom from toil and strain or activity of any kind. Menucha is not a negative concept, but something real and positive. What was created on day seven? So the rabbis, tranquility, serenity, peace, rest. So that's something else we have to ex- try and experience on Shabbos, but it's really tough, especially if you're working Often, I know, I know as, as a teacher, it takes me days to unwind for a half term. I actually could do with two weeks of half term, 
one week to get over the migraine and the stress and the coming down, then the next week just to enjoy it. But sometimes you're so desperate to rest, you'll get yourself more anxious. Like, I've got to rest now because I'm going to run out of the days, but it doesn't work. So Shabbos has to be a day where we can somehow make the transition, which might be, it's popped into my head just now, might be where the rabbis tell us that really from midday only, from midday on Friday, you should start shutting things down rather than crashing into Shabbos. Because maybe it's that, maybe it's that transition from midday on Friday that will potentially allow you to be rested or in that space of rest when Shabbos comes rather than what many of us do, just crash into Shabbos, some sort of car wreck. And then expect ourselves to be you know, in holy time and we, we struggle. To the biblical mind, menucha is the same as happiness and stillness, as peace and harmony. In, Latin, in later times, menucha became a synonym for the life in the world to come. So it's about Shabbos being me'ein olam haba, some paradise experience. And we, 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 I think we so desperately want it to be a paradise. And when we've maybe experienced an aspect of that, we know we've had Shabbos that week. But some weeks it's possible, I think, to have gone through Shabbos without really having Shabbos. So that this idea that Havdalah is supposed to be this positive but melancholy experience. Like we read all these Pesukim to try and perk us up and have confidence in the week ahead and smell the Basamim to try and make ourselves feel better. I don't know how many people ever really feel particularly sad at the end of it. What have, what have we, you know, if we haven't really succeeded in tapping into these big, larger concepts, then what are we smelling something for? Just because the book says you've got to smell something. So it's a challenge. These, these teachings are challenges as we go, you know, as we finish the second book of the Chumash history. We've seen that the, the, the creation of the Jewish people, the purpose, the Harasinai, Mount Sinai, Ten Commandments, and now the holy space that they're going to use to connect with Hashem. But we've got to figure out what we do with our time to, to really go somewhere which links into, ironically, or beautifully, I guess, not ironically, this Shabbos being also Parashat HaChodesh and the fact that the calendar was given to Moshe Rabbeinu. Maybe the connection this week is that it is HaChodesh, which tells us about calendar. Calendar, you know, your time's going to be your own because you're no longer going to be slaves. Therefore, use it, pro- use it pro- properly. As slaves, you never know. I don't imagine slaves spoke about, I'll do it later or tomorrow because you, you know what you're going to be doing. You had no autonomy to talk about later or tomorrow if you're a slave. You're going to, it's all, no, your time is controlled by somebody else. So both aspects of this week's Torah, Torah reading, the, the extra bit about time and this idea of holy time crashing in to the Pesukim about holy space and the, the need to elevate time over spaces really gives us an opportunity this week to think about how we use our time. And the final quote from Heschel, to set apart one day a week for freedom. Oh, sorry, you could spend hours just focusing on that one sentence. Is my Shabbos, do I experience freedom on Shabbos? Or am I running back to the forest to the kitchen and serving a warrior? You know, sometimes Shabbos, personally, come home, okay, eat, learn with the kids, learn, sure, come home. It's, that's what Shabbos is. But yeah, it's a day of freedom. A day on which we would not use the instruments which have been so easily turned into weapons of destruction. A day for being with ourselves, a day of detachment from the vulgar, of independence, of external obligations. A day on which we stop worshipping the idols of technical civilization. A day on which we use no money. A day of armistice in the economic struggle with our fellow humans and the forces of nature. Is there any institution that holds out greater hope for humanity's progress than the Shabbos? You could probably spend a lot of time on that paragraph, unpacking every phrase and trying to sort of explore how far 
anyone really experiences Shabbos on that level. And what this holy time is possibly giving us, more than that pithy phrase, more than Jews have kept Shabbos, Shabbos have kept the Jews, but you know, how has it kept the Jews? In what way has it kept us identifying as a, as a nation, as a people? Could you experience that on a Wednesday? What if we got dressed up on, on Wednesday in our Shabbos clothes? And... Only if everybody else was experiencing it on a Wednesday. You but couldn't do it on your own, that's what you have to Because do. you'd be aware that you'd be, missing, yeah. you'd be missing out on those messages, yeah. that what's going on in society. So very fascinating, the Benish Chai. Look at that. Nice guy. Nice guy. I've got to give some, <laughs> a nod to the, to, to, to the Sephardic culture, especially this <coughs> elevated company that we have here. So on the, the, the beginning of the Sergio, it says the Benish Chai as follows. The Pasuk says, on the seventh day will be Shabbat Shabbaton. Why the double phrase? It could have just said, and it, or Yomashvi, Shabbat La Hashem. Why Shabbat Shabbaton? So he's got a very, I'm sure there's lots of different approaches. His one is quite fascinating. The Halacha in chapter 344 in Shulchan Aruch says, someone who's in a desert situation, doesn't know when Shabbos, he lost track of the days of the week. So the Halacha is very practical. He starts counting seven days from the day that he was aware that he's lost track of the days of the week. And on whatever day seven is from his personal count, he sanctifies that day of Shabbos. It could be a Wednesday, objectively, but he doesn't have a clue. The Kiddush and Havdalah at the end. He does the whole thing properly and has his own system. The Nimsa, so what would happen? So the result of that is what? The Fiza. There are actually two different Shabbases that are possible. Ha'alaf. The first one is Shabbat Ha'amiti, the real Shabbos that the people who know what day of the week is are keeping. It's really, the, in truth, the seventh day. And the second one is the Shabbos Shi'iyah is the subjective. You've got the objective Shabbos on seventh day of the week. And you have a subjective Shabbos that this Nebuch is in the desert and lost track of life is going to be keeping. And possibly, you could have multiple people trekking through somewhere, losing track of, of reality, and keeping Shabbos, potentially each one on a, another day of the week, and they're all doing Shabbos and sitting, eating cholent in the desert and whatever they managed to bring along. Now, even though, for like, the vast majority of the population, the day that this guy in the desert is keeping Shabbos is a regular weekday, but for this guy, sub subjectively, it's 100% Shabbos. So what does that mean? What's he feeling? What's, no, everything we just said from Heschel, is, it, is, is that there for him? Is it a feature of being day seven of the week? And only then all these wonderful, profound concepts of rest and freedom and everything we've learned up to now are relevant. Or can this guy experience some form of Shabbos, even if it's on a Tuesday or Wednesday? Says the Benish Chai, there must be some of the light, some of the radiance of Shabbos must be possible even for this guy who's keeping Shabbos on whatever day of the week is. Since he's making Kiddush and eventually he'll make Havdalah. All with the Brochas. There's no suggestion here that he shouldn't do it with, say, the Brochas. Clearing the name of Hashem. So he's not, the, the Halakha doesn't say he's said a God's name in vain or he's got to repent, come Yom Kippur for getting it wrong. No, he, there would there be no repentance. There's no, there's no sin involved. But there's that, and this is why it says Shabbat Shabbaton, because they're two, the, the double expression of Shabbos, because there are two 
possible Shabbos is. Now, this, the second su- you know, subjective Shabbos doesn't have the full radiance of the actual Shabbos, but this guy would be able to access some of the beauty of Shabbos from the mere fact that he's sanctified the day, sanctified time with words. You can enter this holy experience, even if it's not quite the real thing. Get something out of Sunday if they're observing it properly. In that case, because they're still—I mean, it, the very few that will observe it properly—they're still setting aside holy time, aren't they? I'm sure. And we are. Anyone that, that that detaches from the physical world and wants to connect with Hashem, as they understand it, in prayer and reflection and, and family and meaning, would would would, it, would achieve yeah. some some positivity, some spiritual benefit to doing so. Now, this is Rabbeinu Bachai takes it also in a fascinating direction. What was what Moshe telling them at this stage? They had Shabbos at Mount Sinai. Remember the Shabbos day to keep it holy. It doesn't say too much in the Ten Commandments, but they already got something. We had the Shomru last Shabbos. So, that, what are they being told now? When the Sedra begins, Vayakel Moshe, Moshe gathers the whole nation together and then launches into the Shabbos bit before he gets to the Mishkan. Says Rabbeinu Bachai or Bachai, different pronunciations. In this passage, Moshe doesn't warn the people they are, they are to observe the Shabbos, i.e. Ushmaritem et HaShabbos, guard the Shabbos, observe the Shabbos. It appears, therefore, that we derive from here that the mystical dimension of the Shabbos is not to be revealed to the masses. This is a perfect audience. We couldn't, I couldn't reveal this Torah if there were masses of people. Rabbeinu <laughs> Bechaya says so. Now, when the Torah used the expression Ushmaritem et HaShabbos, instead of Ushmatem et Yom HaShabbos. There it says Rabbeinu Bachaya, this is an indication that in chapter 31, so four chapters before Al-Sedra, the Torah addressed itself to the philosophical and the hidden meanings of Shabbos. And that was to a select few who were worthy of hearing it. In our paragraph, Moshe is speaking Vayak Hel Moshe, has gathered the whole nation. It's a public gathering. That's not the place to divulge the depth and the profundity to the masses who can't deal with it and can't understand it. So in chapter 31, Hashem instructed Moshe with the words, Daba el b'nei Yisrael. He should reveal to them both the obvious as well as the hidden meaning of Shabbos. The manner in which the Torah phrases what went on here is a hint to us not to reveal certain things to people who can't understand. And his proof text is the Gemara that talks about Unculus, the Aramaic translation, that when he translated the Chubbish, a voice came out of heaven, says the Gemara, and says, who is this who reveals the hidden aspect of Torah to the masses? Some things need to be kept private, some things need to be kept aside, because the masses can't understand the profundity of everything, and they can twist something that's beyond the scope of people's intellect, can be ridiculed or misunderstood, and it, then you, you lose the beauty and, and the sublime nature. For the masses need to be told what you can, what you can't, and some level of understanding. For the Therefore, here we've just got the general idea, whereas previously Moshe Gondrabeinu had revealed the depth and the profundity of what Shabbos is all about. And what does Shabbos do as well? It can take it to the next level. Here we're going to the Mehash Shiloh, the Ishbatzah. Also dealing with the connection between gathering the people, Shabbos, the Mishkan. It says as follows. Shabbos is a constant. Now we're going to the world of Hasidic thought, where words that we know from our normative Jewish education lose their specific meaning and often becomes concepts, ideas. So what's an idea of Shabbos? 
Shabbos is the unifier. I think we can understand it on a very simple level, or maybe it's a profound level, I don't know. But if you think about it, if the whole week we are defined by the jobs that we do, and on Shabbos we're not doing those jobs, so we're just a community of people without the differences in society between the person at the top and the person that's lower down societal status levels, then Shabbos does something to our people which brings everyone together in a unity. So Shabbos is a unifier. Now, says the Ishbutzah, Ha'inyan hu, Shabbos can, why is it mentioned Shabbos by Melachas HaMishkan, by the building of the Mishkan? Because what happens at the Mishkan? Everyone came together and there was no arrogance, there was no showing off. Why? So everyone had their little projects to work on to build this incredible building. And there were people who were building the, the, the boards and some were making the screws and some were building the ark. And so for sure, on some level, the people who got to build the ark were like, well, look at us, we're clearly the best Jews. We're building the higher, the, 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 the most important thing, and you're busy polishing a brass thing or, you know, putting some, some sewing some things together. But he says, Kibit chila also kol chacham lev. Beginning there, all those who were able, who were skilled, worked on the mishkan. Everyone did their own particular job. The hero, like he also melacha they thought, wow, look at me, I'm so impressed with what I've done. But afterwards, they looked at it and thought, well, actually, no, all our pieces are joining together into one big structure. And they saw, it all goes together, and it's almost like one person put this together because we need all the bits to go together in a perfect unity. And it's not about my bit in isolation because my bit in isolation is useless. It doesn't mean anything. It only means something when everything goes together. Then they realized whatever they did wasn't down to their own wisdom or genius. It was with, that, with divine help and, 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 and you know, providence. They all put it together. Each one was actually helped by Hashem to do their bit, which would then fit together. Any one individual think that they were better than anybody else. It wasn't really them doing it with their own independence. It was with the help of Hashem. And he brings here the Gemara that talks about when those 72 sages were gathered together by, by King Talmai to translate the Torah into Greek. And they all realized that some verses in the Torah are very dangerous because it can give a completely wrong understanding. Beratius bara elokim completely corrupted from the from the context. Someone called Bereshis created Elohim, created God. So God's not eternal. God's created by something called Reishis or Mr. Bereshis. So they all changed the, the translation to Elohim, God created in the beginning. And they came out and they went, oh, look at me. I'm such a, I'm such a Tanechachem. I managed to get, I, I changed my, I wouldn't separate rooms. I changed my translation to like, they go, oh, I did that as well. Oh, I'm me. Oh, we've all done it. All 72 of us in separate rooms. Clearly God's at work behind the scenes. And therefore there's no showing off here. God has brought about this change so that there would be no problems. Why is Shabbos juxtaposed to the building of the Mishkan? The main essence of their connecting with each other came from Shabbos. I think the way I've understood it is, is, is very true to the essence of what he's saying here. That Shabbos 
gives us that sense that we're all together because we're not defined by our individual tasks. We're just a people that come together to worship Hashem and to celebrate and enjoy the day together. Our status does, should not matter on Shabbos. Whenever you're doing, doing something just for the purity of your motive to do it, for, to bring honor to Hashem, or because Hashem has commanded you, that's called Shabbos. So Shabbos here is a concept where my individual self takes sec- disappears and I become one with my people. And, I'm, so, and again, in mitzvah performance, when I take myself out of the picture and I don't do it for status, and I don't do it for plaudits or for plaques on the wall, but I do it because it's the right thing to do, that I've got the same essence of what Shabbos is all about. The Gambim Leches HaMishkan, also with the building of the Mishkan, Shekol Avodosam Haisal Lechvod Shamaim, they all wanted to bring honor to glory to Hashem, in order what? That Hashem's presence should dwell amongst them. That was the whole reason detra of the Mishkan, so they could feel connected with Hashem again, like they felt before the sin of the golden calf, and everything went wrong. So they came together because they would realize if one little peg is missing from this structure, the structure is incomplete. So we need the guys who make the pegs and the guys who put everything together because there is nothing without all of us together. And any one individual ego will corrupt the togetherness of the nation. Therefore, they couldn't, no one could show off because they realized they were all equally necessary. And that's the meaning of Ayakal Moshe, that he, Moshe brought them all together. The power of Shabbos brings all together. And then the Mishkan, which, which was, becomes an expression of the unity of our people and recognizing that no one is any better than anybody else. That was a very beautiful, I don't open that safe for too often, that's a very beautiful understanding. Going to a more contemporary Hasidic master, the Eish Kodesh, or Klonimus Kalman of Piyatsetzna, he was the rabbi in the Warsaw Ghetto. H. Kodesh Hall in Presswich is dedicated to his teachings and to following his ideas. There's one in America as well, in Woodmere. And he has, in his, in the end of his incredible text called Choros HaTalmidim, the duties of students' obligation, the duties of students, which he writes to, to young Jewish children to really give them a sense of their identity, who they are. And again, in his introduction... <laughs> taking the same theme. He makes it very clear to the Jewish children that it doesn't matter if your father doesn't have rabbi genius before, before his name and come from some you know, crazy family. <laughs> One of my kids once had to do a project for school. You know, like, who's the goggle in your family? So I, I told them we could make up that there was some Alta Bubba that was murdered by the Cossacks or something and her dying words was something. I just thought, it's messed up because it's like, it's a, we're, we're, we're who we are because we're who we are, not because someone... Anyway, but he tells these, these Jewish children in the introduction to his work, you are special because you are a descendant of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And you come from the prophets that came after them. That's all of us. doesn't matter your individual family names and, and, and status. You are, you are precious and your learning is precious and your, pur- your, your existence to the Jewish people is precious, not for anything other than you are, which is the same, what we're saying here about Shabbos. And he writes at the end of this, at the end of his writing, there's these three little essays on different topics. And the third one is on Shabbos. And this is what he writes. It's very, very long. We're ending, doing selected highlights. He quotes from the Ten Commandments from the Medrash. Remember the Shabbos day to keep it holy. And sorry, it says Zachar in this Ten Commandments. And in the book of Devar, we know it says Shamar. Okay, the different word. One is to remember, one is to keep. 
And he quotes here Rabbi Yudun, Rabbi Ivo, Rabbi Shem, Bad Lakish, different rabbis, deal with this wiser language different in the Ten Commandments from Shemos to Devarim. To a king, Shashalach has Beno Eitzel Chenvani, he sent his kid shopping and he gave him some money to go and buy what he needed and he gave him a jar to in order to be able to buy whatever liquid he wants to pour into the jar. And this kid was a bit of a klotz and Shibes Hasluchis, the kid broke the jar and he lost the money. So Talash Besaroi, the, the, the father pulls his hair and screams and like, oh, I've got an idiot for a child. Can't even just go to the shop and give the money over and he breast smashed everything. The Nasonlo Pam Shneer, he gave the, the kid another jar and another coin saying, listen, be careful not to lose these as you lost the first set that I gave you. And that's the end of the Medrash. So he says, what's the lesson? So too, when the Jewish people, through their sin of the golden calf in the desert, lost the first tablets, the commandment which says, remember the Shabbos day, God then gave them the second tablets, which says, guard the Shabbos day. And that's why it says, Zohar V'shama. Doesn't work, does it? Because in the story, Big Dad's giving him the coin and the jar. Exactly the same items that he gave the first time round. And in the Ten Commandments, it's different words. So the parable, the parable and the lesson from it seem to be jarring. You're going to say, <laughs> jarring. Yeah. But isn't the father saying to the son the second time, just be careful this time? And yes. And added on top. So that's what the, the shamor is in. So it's the same as Zachar? Which one comes first? Zachar comes first. Yeah, so it's now it's shamor, isn't it? It's like, be careful, don't drop the jar, don't lose the coin. But it's about here, but in the Medrash, it gives us, the, 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 he asks, the, the, the father gives the kid the coin and the jar, which are, then, which are the same thing as yeah. first. And when the Torah changes the word. So that's what that's what he that's what he's fussed about. So he gives us so he gives a solution. That we may find a solution based on another quote from the rabbis. Remember the Shabbos day in order to make it holy. This could mean to remember Shabbos in your hearts. However, when the book says when it says in Devarim, guard Shabbos, that means in your heart to treasure to to to, to, to treasure it to make it to cherish it. Hence, the remembering in Shamos must refer to doing something other than the internal heart. It must refer to pronouncing with words. That's why we say Kiddush. So he says as follows. Guarding is in the heart. So Shamar is the internal and remembering is in the mouth. And we need both the heart and the mouth for the proper keeping of Shabbos. When they lost the commandments of Zachar that had been given to them previously, it was because Shabbos was only in their mouths. They were paying lips to at my word, paying lip service to Shabbos. It was an external, ex- it's in your mouth, I mean, the words come out. So Shabbos was, they were doing it, but it wasn't in them. It wasn't something that was personal to them. It was, I have to do this, because what, what will my neighbours say? How, do, how will I look to other people? It was, it, was, it was a public display of Shabbos. So God responded by giving them guarding, which is also in the heart. This was in order to ensure that Shabbos would be safe in the hands, in the hands of the Jewish people. And he writes, he's speaking in, 1920s and 30s in Europe, in our generation too, in which to our dismay, Shabbos desecration has greatly increased. The fundamental breakdown occurred because Jews abandoned that which was meant to be guarded in their hearts. They treated Shabbos as merely a day of rest. And so, it's according to their foolish thinking, God gave them Shabbos for their own good and rest. If you find it's in his best interest to continue engaging in business until time to after the time for lighting candles 
and another chooses to open his shop 15 minutes before the end of Shabbos, why should they deprive themselves? If it's all a rest, and I feel more rested doing these things, then surely it's rest that's important, not the rules. After all, Shabbos is for his own good, they think. And this is now for my own good. So if another person finds he must keep his shop open for the entire Shabbos, why should he torture himself by being so agitated and he's more rested working in his shop? This is the way down to the lowest pit of Sha'al, of hell, Rahman al-Islam. How blind are their eyes and how closed are their hearts. If it really is as their foolish minds would have it, that the mitzvah of Shabbos is only for their own benefit, rest and pleasure, then why does the Torah say those who break it will be put to death? Would it be normal for a person to say to his friend, eat please, I really like you, enjoy yourself on the wine and meat, for I love you, if you don't, I'm going to kill you with the sword. It doesn't make sense. The Torah explains the reason for Shabbos with great clarity. It's because, as the Torah says, for on it Hashem stopped work. God kept Shabbos then, and he continues to keep Shabbos now. The holy souls in the spiritual worlds also keep Shabbos. And we, the Jewish nation, are told to keep Shabbos together with them. And here we go into a bit mystical teachings. The Zohar says as follows, that Shabbos is Noam Hanashamas, the delight of the upper and lower worlds. And we know from the song Ka'echsov, which is one of the Zemiris that some people sing on Shabbos, from the Aaron of Karolin, Shabbos is the delight of all the souls, the pleasure of all the spirits. There's something going on in the spiritual worlds when Shabbos begins. When a Jew keeps Shabbos, his entire spiritual makeup, the nefesh, which is the lower level, the ruach and the nesham, the high levels of the soul that correspond as Jews have higher spiritual potential, enter the Garden of Eden and together with all the pure souls in, in, in that realm, enjoy the delight of Shabbos. There's something going on that we don't necessarily relate to or are sensitive to, but our, our, our texts give us a very clear indication that something very, very holy, very very profound is taking place on the Shabbos day. I want to conclude, a Jew feels Shabbos and its holiness as it spreads out into every day of the week. So how do you know if your Shabbos is, is, has achieved anything? If you feel something Shabbos-dick, something off Shabbos during the rest of the week. For it's possible that one who embodies a revelation of this, of this higher light of the spirituality would not feel his body transform even a little bit. Would, would it be possible that someone who's experienced a really spiritual glow on Shabbos would not feel some, some change in him? If he's careful the rest of the week to guard himself, not to damage or lose that holiness of Shabbos that he attained, then he can feel Shabbos throughout his week. And this is what he came back to where we started with that, the, the, the quotes from Rabbi Friend. If only the Jewish people would keep Shabbos properly for two consecutive weeks, they would immediately be redeemed. Meaning that if you do not feel the holiness of the previous Shabbos during the following week, because it was too weak, then keep the next Shabbos properly, and even greater holiness will accumulate within you, affecting your Kedusha even on the weekdays. You will already find yourself to be a treasure house of holiness until you experience the full redemption. So there's potential in Shabbos that goes way beyond. And maybe that's the power here of holy time versus holy space that we can take that time with us into a different realm of time entirely. And one final bit. This is from 
Sefer called Sidura Shal Shabbos of Rav Chaim, Chaim of Chernovitz. Chernovitz. He was very into Shabbos. Like he, he, he saw like allusions to Shabbos in lots of different areas of Jewish learning. And he asked, what's the difference between Shabbos and Yom Tov? Many different, I mean, not, not on a halakhic level, on a, in a spiritual level. So Yom Tov becomes Yom Tov back in the day before we had a calendar when the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court, would declare the month and they would then do things to make the day a holy day without the court telling us when Rosh Chodesh, when Rosh Chodesh is, Pesach could fall this day or that day. And then we make Yom Tov holy by declaring it a holy time. Shabbos is holy because Hashem makes it holy. It doesn't require any actions on our part. It just is holy time without us doing anything. He says, We don't have to do anything. The mystics that would meditate on the different times of the day and try and affect certain spiritual things in, in, the, in the spiritual realms, on Shabbos wouldn't have to do anything. You just have to synchronize yourself into the times of Shabbos. So as we go through the 25 hours of Shabbos, there are different frequencies that we can tap into ourselves. They are there to be tuned into for somebody, not there, but the teaching suggests that they are there, for us to connect to at different times of the day. It's not for us to arouse ourselves with some spiritual act, it's just there in reality, the times of Shabbos, the shifting times of Shabbos. How we feel Friday night should be different to how we feel Shabbos day. And by the third meal, we should be on a different level. There's suggestions in the more spiritual text of really profound ideas. When you see a tree on Shabbos, it's meant to be a manifestation. You don't see a tree, you see Hashem the creator. Like everything you see, time changes. You're, you're tapping into a different frequency. And we say this and we'll end with this pasuk. In Mizmoshir, Yom HaShabbos, what do we say? Ki simachtani Hashem b'falach. Hashem, you have, you have made me rejoice with your deeds. B'ma'asei yodecha, with the, acts, with the acts of your hands, Hashem, I will, I will exalt. Meaning, Sha'atab ba'atzmacha simachtani, you Hashem have made me happy. That what? You, Hashem, on Shabbos, cause this time to envelop me and give me the possibility, the potential to connect with different spiritual experiences throughout the day without me having to do anything. And that is the gift of Shabbos. That the simcha, Yomtuk, we have to make ourselves happy with the food we eat and the wine that we drink and the clothes that we wear. But on Shabbos, kisimachtani, you, God, have provided the happiness. It's there objectively. But I need rack, and what do I have to do? According to what you've done, the different times of the day, I have to focus, I have to connect to it at different stages of the day. But it's really, an, in theory, Shabbos is an easy day for us to connect with holy time and leave the holiness of space to the rest of the week. Good.